Romans chapter 2, and we're going to move on to Romans chapter 3 this morning. I want to tell you, I want to start by telling you a story. So many years ago, there was an immigrant family traveling from Europe to the U.S. in search of a better life. They gathered everything that they had. Any money that they had, they, they saved it for, for months preparing for this trip. And off they went. They bought their boarding passes and they got on the ship that was going to take quite a while to make it to their final destination. Now, during their trip, they packed enough crackers and water to sustain them on their journey. And uh, every morning when they would wake up, they would have the aroma of the kitchen just come through their cabin. You guys ever seen those cartoons where that smell is just traveling? And, and they would smell the, 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 the good food and everything. And all they were eating were crackers. They couldn't afford the meals. And towards the end of the trip, the kids, they just couldn't stand it anymore. So they said, Dad, please, can you, can, you, can you buy us just one meal? I mean, it smells so good. And so the dad, you know, you know, trying to not spend any extra money, approached the captain and said, Hey, Captain, listen, um, how much is it for a meal? I want to buy a meal for my kids. He said, cost? The captain said, cost? Didn't you know that the meals were included with your boarding pass? And the man was just, you know, he felt like I could have been eating. My family could have been eating. You know, warm meals every day, but we were living off crackers. The point this morning is, that, is this. God has made a way. To be right with him. But many times we, we live off of crackers. Many times we, we live off of just trying to be right with God on our own merit when he's made a way. This morning we're going to be focusing on the life God has provisioned for us. And the steps we must take to take part of this new way of life in the Holy Spirit. Now, to give you a recap of what we've studied so far, is through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul takes the first chapters in Romans to outline the reason for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said it's, it's the power of God for all those that believe. And then he goes on to say, the wicked are doomed. He says the uh, moral and, and, and self-righteous person, they have no hope. And then he says the religious person, they also have no hope. And so now, you know, he brings this gloomy conclusion that it doesn't matter who you are or on what side of the fence you're on or, or what you believe or how good you think your life is, nobody has the merit to be good with God. And so he, 
he brings this news in the first three chapters. And how many of you know, in order for the gospel to be good news to us, there has to be some really bad news. And so he brings that to the forefront of our minds. And to give you a, a paraphrase of chapter 3, because we're not going to read the entire thing this morning, is then Paul goes on to say, what about the Jewish people? Because we've left them out of the picture. God's chosen people. What about them? He says, they're in the same boat. They're in the same boat with everyone else. And so the question comes up, so is there any benefit to being a Jew? And so Paul says, yes, of course, because God chose them to bring forth his word, to, to give him the oracles of God, it says in chapter 3. In other words, God entrusted these people, this nation, to give us what we have today is his word. So, but the conclusion of all this is that all groups, everyone, God's chosen people, those that are not chosen, those that are wicked, those that are moral, those that are immoral, Everybody must put their faith in Jesus Christ to be born again. So that is where we are this morning. We're up to that point. Now let's go ahead and read in Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 23. I'm going to read two versions this morning, the ESV and the uh, New Living Translation. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This translation, New Living Translation, says it like this. But now God has shown us a way to be right with him. Without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Now let's jump to verse 28. It says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. The New Living Translation says, so we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. So let's break this down this morning because there's a lot of uh, misconception and a lot of um, ambiguity when it comes to salvation. And we're going to break this down this morning. We're going to talk about what it means to be justified, sanctified, and what sanctification is this morning. Here's the simple truth of salvation. God has made a way. Simple. God has made a way. Even though everyone has fallen short of God's standard, 
the sin is removed and we are righteous before God. But even though our salvation has been paid and is free to all those who have faith in Christ, how many of us know this morning that we still struggle? We still uh, encounter sin. We still encounter things in our lives. And sometimes it seems like it's a struggle to hold on to salvation. Unfortunately, in today's culture, this is where the story of the gospel ends. Unfortunately, and as a, as a, as a result, we have too many self-seeking Christians looking for the next encounter the next revival, the next experience, because the process of sanctification seems to have been left out of the Christian vocabulary. Now, what am I trying to say this morning in very simple terms? Salvation is free, but to go through the sanctification process is a choice. And what do I mean by that this morning? There's a couple of key words that we just read. One was justification. What does that mean? Justification means that there is nothing that you can do. You are right before God because of your faith in Jesus Christ. You are justified. You are made right before God. The second word is you are sanctified. What does that mean? That means that God has set you apart. Look what it says in, um, here in uh, Ephesians. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. That means that you were set apart at that point when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You, at that point, you were justified and you were sanctified. You were made right and you were made set apart for God. That's what it means. And in verse 14 of Ephesians, it says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until, that's a key word, until we require possession of it. To the praise of his glory. So the guarantee, the Holy Spirit has set us apart. But until we acquire possession of it, we're going to be going through a process. That is called the process of sanctification. So not only are we justified, not only are we sanctified. When we, talked about, when we talk about sanctification, we're talking about going through a process to be more like Christ. It's a process. Now, in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and in honor. So now, see, this is the, this is the issue today. One can be born again, but you know what? There's a process of holiness, of, of dying to oneself, of carrying the cross, of, of, of dying to the passions and desires that we have. That's the process of sanctification. Just because we're born again doesn't mean we're all of a sudden just free to live however we want. And that's what Paul talks about in Romans. And 
as we go through the other chapters, you, he will say things like, shall we continue to sin so that grace can abound? And he says, no, that's, that is not the truth I'm trying to preach here. Yes, we're born again. Yes, there's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation, but you must go through the process of sanctification. Now, Romans chapter 6, verse 22 says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Sanctification is the process by which the Trinity of God and the believer both have a responsibility. Now, what does that mean? That means that as I set, as I go through this process of sanctification, as I begin to say, Holy Spirit, work in my life, convict me of things in my life, I want to die to my selfish ambitions. As I, as I go through that process and do my responsibility, God is also responsible to making me more like Christ. So that means I don't do things in vain. That means that when I choose to let go of things in my life, God will release blessings upon my life at the same time. And he won't leave me empty. He won't leave me uh, in the middle of the road. He will meet me when I release to him. Now, I want to look at two examples this morning. In the Old Testament, to bring light to the process of sanctification. The first is found in the book of Judges. I want to tell you a story of Samson. We all know the story or heard of the story. Samson was a man who was set apart from birth. And there's a lot to unpack there, but we're going to talk about some key points this morning. He was set apart from birth when his mom took the vow of the Nazarite on his behalf. Which meant he was never to drink wine or to shave his head. As he grew into manhood, the Lord began to bless him. And when he encountered danger, the spirit of God would come upon him. And he would supernaturally destroy his enemies. He would tear apart a lion. He would do crazy things with the, with the jawbone. He would slay 300 men. Crazy things. And we see that God's favor was upon him from an early beginning. In Judges 13, 24, it says, And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. So we see here a picture of God's covenant with us. Was it anything that Samson did? No. As he was born, there was a covenant that was made with him. Now, it says that victory after victory, Samson would single-handedly defeat the Philistines. And they wanted to know the source of his power to subdue him. In Judges 16.4, it says this, After he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, 
whose name was Delilah, the lords of the Philistines, came to her and said, seduce him, see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. In short, she would continually try to get his secret to his strength. Time and time again, she would be unsuccessful until she pressed him to the point of misery and finally gave in. So here's a picture of a man with supernatural strength, nothing of which he deserved or he owned or earned, forgive me. And, and we see that the entrapment of the enemy, trying to seduce, trying to take away that which has been freely given to us. And so we see after pressing and after coming after time and time and time again, finally the enemy or Delilah is successful. And it says here in Judges 16, verse 16, and when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. That means he was just out of his mind. He was like, I, I got to make this woman be quiet. And so in, seven, in verse 17, he says, and he told her all his heart, key word. He told her all his heart. And he said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazareth to God from my, mother, my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak like any other man. At this point, there was a rejection of the covenant by Samson's own will. It was Samson's will. We have a free will this morning. God has given us salvation, but God does not force us to serve him. You know, when God made us in his own image, do you know that we are the same in God in one area? We have a free will. A free will. We can do whatever we want to do. We can receive his gift, and like Samson, we can trade it in. There is more to this story, but for our point, we're going to stop right here with this story. Now, let's talk about another example. Let's talk about the story of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was a prophet who felt compassion for the temple's broken walls. Nehemiah sought the Lord, and God chose him in the efforts to rebuild the walls of the temple. Nehemiah, Nehemiah would find favor from the Persian king, Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes, sorry, Xerxes, to rebuild the wall, and the king would personally fund the project. So let me give you a, a picture of what's happening here. So Nehemiah sees that, you know, um, through the process of being in exile, his hometown, the, the, the temple and the walls have been destroyed. And so he has a heart and a burden to do something about it. And God sees his heart. And so God says, okay, I am going to use you to lead that effort. And Nehemiah is under a pagan king, a ruler. And, and the king asks Nehemiah, because Nehemiah is in this high position with the king. He's the cupbearer there. And he gives the king his drink. And the king asks him, why do you look so sad? And let me tell you something. To look sad in front of a Persian king was a death sentence. You couldn't do that. 
So you can see that Nehemiah's heart was truly broken and he couldn't hide it anymore. And the king asked him, hey, what's up? What's going on? Why, why are you so sad? And he goes, so he says, listen, my people, my temple of worship, the walls, they're broken. They're, they're, they're in ruin. So if it pleases you, he says, if it pleases you, king, give me the resources. Give me everything I need. Give me the protection. Give me the finances to rebuild his walls. And so the king says, you have my blessing, uh, for lack of better terms. You go ahead. I'll send the protection. I'll send everything that you need. I'll give to you. And here we have a picture of what happens in the spiritual realm. Because, see, when we have our faith in Christ, we have salvation. See, Nehemiah had the favor of the king. He had the green light, but he still had walls to rebuild. He still had work in front of him. Not only that, Nehemiah had opposition from within. It says here in, in, um, in chapter uh, 3, verse 10, when Sambalat the Hornite and Tobiah the Amorite uh, servant heard this, heard about this project, it says they were displeased greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Now, we have here two unique pictures of God's covenant relationship. On one hand, you have the vow of the Nazarite, where physically we can see how the covenant isn't broken by Samson's Skewed moral compass. Samson by no, no means was a perfect individual this morning. But yet God's covenant was, was with him and it wasn't con, uh, contingent on his personal issues. If you read the story of Samson, he had an issue with women. And at one point he was with a prostitute and the next minute he was slain 300 men. God's spirit was upon him. How do you reconcile that? And so the point is this. God does not break his covenant with you or I because we fall short. God does not break his covenant with us because we have issues. Whatever that is, fill in the blank. God doesn't leave us or forsake us because we were born with some weaknesses. He doesn't do that. And we see that in the life of Samson. And we see that even though Samson had, had fallen and given up his secret, the scripture says that it but his hair began to grow back. And there we see the grace of God in the life of Samson. That even though he was a man of, of issues, a man of weaknesses, maybe a man who, who he let his strength get to his head, God was with them through the whole process, and God never broke his covenant. Samson broke it. And we see that Samson had the, the, the opportunity to let God mold him and shape him, but he actually succumbed to his weaknesses. And then we see Nehemiah, a man also who God had a covenant with. And Nehemiah took the favor of God. 
And although he faced opposition, he didn't give in. And he worked and he labored. And through the process of rebuilding the walls, there was opposition. There was people that wanted him out of the picture. But he still worked and worked. And let me tell you, in your life, there are going to be things that you're going to have to really fight for. There are going to be things that are not going to come easy. There's going to be opposition. But if you go through the process of sanctification, if you allow the Lord to lead you through the process, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Listen, salvation is free. But we must choose to be guided by the Holy Spirit, to be molded by the Holy Spirit. To be challenged by the Holy Spirit. To go through things and to be willing to say, Lord, change my life. Lord, I don't want to be the same person. I just don't want to hold on to this superficial concept of salvation. I want to be more like you. And when we make that declaration in our life, as we begin to read his word to change us, Not merely to be educated, but when we open up his word so that God would change our thinking. When we begin to pray so that we can get real with God and lay on the table exactly how we feel so that God can then speak in return. When we begin to pray in that manner, when we begin to take God seriously, we go through the process of sanctification. And that is the word this morning. Favor. Having the favor of God doesn't mean easy work. Having the favor of God doesn't mean that you have free time and a free will and that you can casually live your life because I'm just saved, because God's grace is just there. That's not, that's a misconception. Rebuilding the walls came with the price. It came with opposition. But we all must be willing to go through the process of sanctification as a part, as an integral part of our salvation. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads this morning in, uh, in reverence to God.